Hello and welcome to Talking Stars, the January 2019 edition, where we look at the very empty cinema listings and see what we can scratch out of the screens. And we look forward to what we want to see in 2019. I am Darren and I am from Movie Reviews 101. And joining me, as always, is Mr. Damien Riley from the Damien Riley Podcast. Yes, it's me, the one who keeps going to see famous films with empty seats all around him. Hopefully not too. Well, when they're empty, you have annoying people watching <laughs> their phones and eating popcorn and slurping their drinks, just making unnecessary noises. You know, I never thought to ask you this, Darren. Do you have a preference of where you sit in the theater? I have a seat I always take on my own behind the stair balcony area where you the top of it is the bottom of the screen and you cannot see any of the audience oh. right against the wall it's perfect are you talking about way up front no it's sort of in the middle almost but right against the wall on the left or right depending okay. on where the stairs to the top are oh that's great yeah we have like a bar when you when you enter the theater there's like a bar that takes you across the theater to the other side and i used to like to be right at the bar because you can put your feet up on the bar and i used to like that but lately over time i've changed and now it's funny you like to be on the side because i actually we always pick our seats now our theater oh you know doesn't allow you to it requires you to pick your seat before you go in and so they're all numbered and so i get in and i i want to always be over to the left uh sort of by where you exit and i just like it there because a couple of reasons first reason is um i only have a person to one side of me <laughs> instead of on both sides of me and then the other reason is um if something happens uh i can very carefully look at my phone see what's going on, not bother anybody, because I'm against the wall. So That's funny. So you're against the wall, too. That's hilarious. Yeah, our screens are a bit more... Uh, they have doors both sides, so you have to pick left or right, depending mm -hmm. on the stairway. But uh, I also do it because I don't want someone sat next to me. Yeah, yeah. And that makes and sense, because you're a critic, you want to pay attention, and, you know... Well, only once has someone taken my seat, which annoyed me a lot, because they were, like, two homeless people. It felt like that. They were treating the seats as if they were on their sofa. Oh, it was a row of three on the side, and I had the wall one, but I was a bit late. I got there just before the film started because my previous film overran, and they had already nestled down with about six bags of shopping, five oh, drinks, and they kept getting up during the movie as well, and then left halfway through it. Oh. I don't, don't really understand. It was it. It was like everybody in the audience was loving it. Oh no! It was probably you know did some things that are offensive to the homeless society of of America or something <laughs> or England. <laughs> I know. I just they treated it like a lounge and it was horrible. Oh no! But anyway, that's a little sideline there. Sorry. On it is January, so we have to pick which movie we're most likely to go and see at the cinema first from the list of not many to pick from so i will go first because i've picked what i personally think is going to be the biggest 
box office success of the month. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the best word. And that is Glass, the mm. sequel to Split and Unbreakable, where we end up bringing back McAvoy, Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, who are now all at some form of psychiatric home where they're being studied. But it's more about an eventual fight, I believe, between Willis and McAvoy's characters. Good versus evil. And the man handling him is Mr. Glass himself. Now, this has got to go down as one of the more interesting movies of the year because it is a superhero movie, but it's not a comic book superhero movie. And when we've been absolutely flooded with them the last few years, it's nice to have something that's actually come out original, especially with Split completely surprising the audience because nobody saw it being a sequel to Unbreakable. We just want to see where the next chapter of these go because M. Night could finally be back on the right path. Hmm. So, Damien, are you in or are you out? Initially I was out, but I think I'm in now. I think uh, it's interesting what you said about how it's not a comic book movie, but it's a superhero movie. <sighs> I think that's a little bit of a cop-out, and not not for you. You're not making a cop-out, but I think M. Night Shyamalan is a little bit making a cop-out, because I think he's cashing in on... Uh, like, he will tell you that he's cashing in on his own movie that he made, Unbreakable. Uh, he won't say he's cashing in probably at all, but he would probably admit that uh, he's focusing on the success of that all those years ago. And as you know, I've said on this show, that sort of bothered me. Because I don't like remakes, I don't like sequels, I like original thought. I mean, as long as it's not Lady in the Water. That, I would probably prefer to see Glass than Lady in the Water, I think, guaranteed. And let's hope it's not another Lady in the Water. But having said that, I'm looking at the poster on the movie database and it says it's got a picture of Bruce Willis, James McAvoy. It doesn't have Anya Taylor-Joy, but she's another familiar face they're going to have in there. And, of course, they have the three personalities uh, of Split in the picture. And it's almost like an Avengers. It reminds me of the Avengers, the way... He's promoting it on that poster. It's like, you're going to see all these people. Um, and then it's got the name Glass, which, if you're a hipster, you know who Glass is from Unbreakable. So, as you can tell, I'm a little bit cynical. But as I was watching the trailer, getting ready for this show, actually, I was thinking, he is a master craftsman. And even when we started out doing this show, we did at least one show on him. We might have done a couple. And so he, we're a big fan of his. And I think they're for good reason. He's really good at what he does. So I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to go see it. But I'm really not, like, thrilled. And I'm curious, I heard that little sound in your voice when you said, it will be the blockbuster event of January but what what did you mean by that? I mean, but because there's not any competition. There is oh. nothing that I can see being a casual audience fan's dream this month. 
Yeah. I could see a lot of the critics raving over nearly everything coming out. But when you are look at the casual audience, they don't want to go and see half of the Oscar bait movies. Like we can go we'll go through them all a bit later, but I just can't see like people going, I want to watch a film about a guy running for president or a father son relationship about a drug problem etc. It's just I just can't see the casual fans doing it. This is why film other films like First Man made no money because it's just not attractive to the casual film fan. Yeah. So So yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, But anyway, the thing is, is I can't get behind it as a comic book film because it's clearly not. Uh, I can't really get behind it as an M Night Shyamalan film completely because it's just sort of a continuation of Unbreakable which frankly I think is a great movie but it's just the reason it's so good is because it just sits there in the past and you can go watch it and it's like wow that was a cool movie I have no hunger for a sequel to that you know what I mean I think he just got pressured into it and the fact that most of his movies had been on the decline from quality and fans until the visit, he needed to go back to his roots and find something he could continue on with, and it was too late to do a Six Sense sequel. Yeah. So he had to go back to this, and while it wasn't ever completely... I don't even know if it was just thrown in there when some studio boss watched it and went, you know what, this would be a really good sequel to Unbreakable. Can we see if Bruce will come back and do a cameo in the final shot of the movie? Because, you know, if if that wasn't in the movie... It would, you wouldn't even know it was a sequel. It could be an, a standalone movie split. Yeah. But because they looked at it and went, the internet nearly broke because it was one of the best kept secrets in cinema. When a world where secrets are very hard to keep now. Yeah. It's just something that I think the audience were just re- uh, enjoying. Like, the fact that McElvoy also gave one of the best performances of 2017 also needs to be praised because of just what he did with these 24 personalities I and like it the more I get away from it I like it when I was in the midst of it I thought it was a really cool character study and a really cool maybe psychology explanation sort of mystery murder mystery I thought it was neat that way but then like you say when they pulled in this element at the end this twist at the end that trying to make it part of Unbreakable, as you know, as I shared, I felt a little cheated. And I wonder if anybody else did. I remember looking at the reviews on, the user reviews on Internet Movie Database, uh, which, by the way, I'm using Letterboxd more now for a few reasons, but that's just a whole different thing. Um, But anyway, as I was reading them, I saw a lot of people did think that. Several people, anyway. Uh, You know, ridiculous ending i felt cheated things like that so i wasn't alone in that and uh it's just what kind of movie do you want to make i wish directors would just stick to that what kind of movie do you want to make do you want to make a drama mystery hitchcock type thing with a split personality edge to it that would be an awesome movie but to tie it in to what i see as kind of a cash grab or a bridge to this glass thing that might be good. Don't get me wrong. 
I mean, I would love, I always love, people should know this because I get cynical sometimes. I would love to walk out of glass and be totally happy. I've changed my mind a lot on film, so I would love that. I'm not saying it's gonna suck, I'm just saying I'm, I'm skeptical because it was trying to be two movies. So, that's kind of my point. Well, I, I still think it'll be the one the fans will see the most. I, I don't, I still think the reviews could go either way. It mainly depends on which Bruce Willis turns up. Yeah. Because if it's the one that hasn't been around or caring for the last four or five years, we're going to have a terrible movie. But if it's the one that turned up for Looper, we're in for a surprise. We already know McAvoy will deliver. Um, Samuel Jackson always does his thing. It's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And Anya Tenner, Joy and Sarah Paulson are always good anyway. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. So, Damien, you've picked something completely different. So mm. what have you picked for your pick of the month? I've picked Escape Room. There is a film coming out called Escape Room. And I recently, in the past year now, you know, I'm a little bit older. You know, I'm like the the, the, the visiting elder. No. Uh, but, you know, about in June I'll be 50 years old. So, you know, compared to, I think, most people that run with movie reviews i think i'm a little older and uh so i didn't really know what escape room was but my wife surprised me and took me on a date and we went to one and we went to one down here in corona and it was just basically an old building that was all dark we went inside and there was like the sound of thunder and all this stuff it's like going into a haunted house sort of but it, but you had clues and you had to figure out what was going on and there were scary things and so anyway I just I preface it with that I'm a little older because I'm sure you younger people already know what escape room is it seems to be like this thing that's been going on for a while uh, with the, the younger folks the millennials and such uh, but I just got introduced to it and I thought it was so fun we had a great time went and had dinner afterwards we talked about it it was so cool there's one point where uh, a mannequin like fell down in front of me and just about gave me a heart attack it was so scary so yeah so they're like haunted houses and they're fun i guess you can do them lots of different ways so when i saw this movie i was instantly interested that they are um focusing on that trend of escape rooms and i watched the the trailer and I, they, they had a little thing in there the girl with a mask that sort of reminded me of the purge um uh, and, you know, so it was very trendy, but I liked it because it was like sci-fi. Instead of just being in an old building and messing around with mannequins and stuff like that, they actually had like a wall that they could not leave, a, a, a clear wall, a force field. That's where I was thinking of. And uh, that looks pretty neat to me. So it could go either way. It It looks like it's in the... Like a slasher, but I don't know if anybody's getting slashed because they don't show it. But it it felt like a slasher. People trapped, tried to get out. Um, so I'm a big fan of slashers, as you know. And so if, if it's like a slasher, I'm going to love it. I'm more curious than anything. How about you, Darren? Well, after seeing two films called Escape Room last year, mm. or this year, mm. I know, and they're both pretty terrible. Oh, okay. This one does have a look of a slightly higher production value of those. Yeah. 
uh, the other two are just friends that do it. That's the key difference. The other two are friends that go in it. Oh. And things go wrong and uh, they're crap. Uh, this one is Strangers, which makes it a bit more interesting. It has a bit of what you had in House and Haunted Hill, I think. I think that's going to be the connection mm-hmm. between them all, where they are there for a set reason. And I do have faith in the director because I have enjoyed his last two movies, or his only two movies, um, The Taking of Deborah Logan and Insidious, The Last Key. Otherwise, Boy, he looks young. Yeah, I remember looking at his face when I did Insidious, The Last Key review, uh, but I don't, I don't really follow him too much. The Taking of Deborah Logan is a good movie. It is for a possession-based movie. I okay. don't really like them that much. They're quite boring and repetitive. But this one, that was a lot more interesting than the rest. Cool. I get to watch a horror this afternoon. I always rejected that one because of the rating, which I know I shouldn't do that. But it was just rated so low, you know. But I do like this guy, too. So I'll check it out. It's rated low. What what's what do you call low? Uh, let's see here. IMDB gives it a gradual of six. That's pretty good for horror, actually. That's really good for horror. Um, I don't know where I read it. Uh, maybe Metacritic? No, it doesn't have a Metacritic. Huh. Well, maybe I'm just... This is a way back. When did this come out? 2014. This is four years ago. An elderly woman battling Alzheimer's disease agrees to let a film crew document her condition... But what they discover is something far more sinister going on. Oh, that sounds exciting. Well, I may be getting it wrong, so I'll check it out. Yeah, six is good. Especially when, and I don't know if you look at this, Darren, you probably do, but I recently discovered this. A six with a thousand views is very different. And it says right below the six, it'll give a number. A six with 21,000 ratings is a pretty solid six. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people have given it, you know, average. So, oh, that's great. I'm going to watch that movie. So anyway, go on. You were talking about the the director. That's his two movies. So I I feel he could bring something to this idea. Um, But we always know that America has a habit of getting to January and putting all of the shit horror movies out. And that's their trademark. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Because they know the fans probably don't really want to go to the cinema in January. And it's just been a trademark for a few years. We've always had the weakest horror movies of the year. Apart from Slender Mad and Truth and Dare. But, but this guy's proven himself solid, like you said. The thing is with horror, you always make money on it. It doesn't matter about the quality, always. Yeah. And so it's a good time to put a movie out because you will make the money. Like Insidious did about $100 million, I think. So, yep yeah, the 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 one he did, this yeah, Kiki. Oh, jeez, I, I didn't like that movie that much, but it was quite elaborate, and there a lot of study went into it. So I do respect that film, but Insidious is so pure and simple. I I always like to see something like that, you know. Yes, but we're only going to focus on two mainly, so we're going to jump into the quick fire round. Because it's a very mixed time for cinema. 
it is Oscar season, so films are going to come out for like two screenings and never appear again. And when Best Picture, I wonder why nobody watched them. Ooh. So, we're going to run through them all. I think Damien will want to talk about one or two of these a bit more than others. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So, so this we'll see section you... is just meant to throw it out there. You know, you guys listening probably know movies more than we do. But, you know, we're just going to say the title and then... I guess, Darren, you're going to say it to me. Maybe I should do half of them or something. You're going to say your opinion too, right? I mean, since we don't have a third person. Yeah. Well, we always do. Good okay. Three ways. Sounds good. Sounds good. So the first one is The Favorite. Great actress, Emma Stone. I want to see that. Probably the weakest of the three, but <laughs> I just hate this director so much. Again, here I am with my scores. This one is just like 98, 97, 100. I mean, it's just getting these incredible scores. So I didn't like The Lobster. I didn't like <laughs> you got to be patient one. to watch The Lobster, but it's good at the end. So that's why I won't stick. I'm not desperate to see this. Welcome to Marwin. I don't want to. Never heard of it. <laughs> Steve Carell making little miniatures? Uh, How could you be in the theater and not see previews for that? Because it's Steve Carell. Okay. <laughs> he's not actually... He's an American treasure, not worldwide treasure. Put it that way. Yeah, That's going to be a watch at home for me. Life itself. Uh, I'm... <laughs> yeah. I No. All I would say to people is go read the short synopsis and see what you want to, if you want to put yourself through that. Fair. I, I, it's actually coming straight to Sky in England, so I don't have to go out to see it. Yeah, it's getting like 2 out of 10. Yeah. 4 out of 10. Yeah. So, <laughs> doesn't mean much. The 12th Man. I know nothing about that one. Enlighten me. Neither do I. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Sounds like back, a Hitchcock. Backtrace, the new Stallone movie. I don't really follow his stuff. I'll just leave it at that. It's going straight to DVD, so... <laughs> um, the Front Runner. I don't know much about it. I don't know anything about it, actually. I think I saw a preview, but... It, is it politics? Like he's running for office? Yeah, it's the one where Hugh Jackman is playing oh. Gary Ross. I think it is. Yeah, it they was... made a movie about that. Uh, Glenn Gary Ross or something with Alec Baldwin. Um, so I guess they're redoing that. I thought that was about real estate. <laughs> I, Gary, I don't Glenn even Ross. know what either one of them is about. I just thought it was related, but maybe not. Uh, Glenn Gary Gary Ross is about real estate. Okay. Sorry that I got the wrong movie, but this one I'm not. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, I'm not it's a big Gary fan of Hart. His, so. it's Gary okay. Hart's presidential campaign of '88. So the woman that that uh, accused him of having an affair, Jessica Hahn. Yeah, something like that. Something about a scandal. So it's Liv, huge. Liv, it. Don't need to see it again. This is the only other one that may interest me because the trailer looks really good. And that's Stan and Ollie. Oh yeah, that's a, any film critic has to see Stan and Ollie. That that's Just, you know that Stanley and Oliver, you know the, the 
Oliver and Hardy, right? Is that who that is? Yeah. Yeah. Is them to, and it actually looks quite interesting that one. Yeah. This is the one I'm most annoyed about, but will probably end up watching, and that is the upside. I don't remember. I don't want to remember. No. <laughs> Tell me if you know anything. It is the American remake of an uh, in or untouchable, depending on which language you read it from. The mm. French movie about a paraplegic who hires a carer who sort of from the slums well I'm interested in it because I always wanted to see that movie but I never had the patience to it's one of the best comedies you're ever going to see yeah but this has Brian Cranston playing the disabled person which is okay I can accept that it's a nice Mm -hmm. pick and Kevin Hart playing the carer hmm yeah, no. Yeah. Poor Kevin Hart. Poor, they, poor Kevin Hart. What'd they do that for? <laughs> I don't know. He might actually put it off, but it was a role that I think would have been perfect for an 80s Eddie Murphy. Okay. Because it needs a little bit of humour and energy, but it doesn't need to be, I have one joke that I'm short, humour. Yeah. Which is all Kevin Hart offers anybody. Um, That's kind of true. But he does really well, and he's a commodity, so they were thinking that too. Unless you run the Oscars, then he's no longer on your shortlist. <laughs> so, the next one is Colette. Don't know. Oh, period piece for Kara Knightley. Not really interesting. No. Um, Mary, Queen of Scots. I don't know much about it, but I do know that these period pieces are really, really popular right now. And my wife really loved a, a TV show called Outlander, which was a, a Scottish base to it. Uh, and a couple other shows. I can't remember the titles offhand, but she's really gotten sucked into these. And so I think they may be creating films, you know, that are more period pieces based in Scotland and some of the... Uh, well, it's to do with uh, Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, mainly. Yeah, yeah. And that's... so. Funny. And Margot Robbie. To Americans, that's very similar. We don't really draw distinctions. Oh, that's Uh, Scotland. Look. (laughs) Margot Robbie looks unrecognisable in the role of Elizabeth. And Shasha, 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 you know, the one. Miss Ronan is Queen Mary. So, it looks more interesting than it should, I think. But anyway. We're She's a back. really good actress. She's really, I mean, I think of Brooklyn. Uh, I think of Lady Bird, of course. In Lady Bird, he's, she's more goofy, and I really like that goofy side of her. Um, the the Lovely Bones, when she was younger, she was in that. So she does drama good as well. When you first said that she was going to play the queen, though, the first thing I thought was, boring choice. I, I'll have to see her, see if she's interesting and engaging as a queen, you know what I mean? And she's going to be the more interesting one because she was trying to bring peace between England and Scotland or unity okay. of some sort. But it doesn't end very well. <laughs> you should, if you know your history, well, they're still they're, separate. <laughs> they're not because the Queen's in charge of Britain. I don't they know were, my history on that, but yeah, now I want to see it kind of. So thank you. <laughs> well, well the current Queen is the Queen of Britain. No, yeah. there isn't a Queen of Scotland. There was a Queen of Scotland. But it gets a long way, that one. Yeah. 
The next one is Clint Eastwood's The Mule. I don't like the trailer, and I probably won't see it. I hate to say I that. I, I'm not that bothered, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is Vice. Don't know about it. This one actually looks better than it should do, but it's like the Dick Cheney story, how he rose to power. Oh, that, yeah. Under George Bush. <laughs> Just... It looks quite funny, even though it shouldn't. Sam Rockwell playing George W. Bush is just something I want to see. Yes. That I'd like to see. George Cheney, not so much. Or Dick Cheney. The next one is The Destroyer. Don't know. This one does look very good. This is the one I think people are saying Nicole Kidman may have the Oscar wrapped up with. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she's playing a, a hardened detective who went undercover hmm. and something's come back up and it's coming back to get her. I think she took down a serial killer or something. Hmm. Well, that, I like vengeance films, so that could be good. But she's trying to make peace with her family after having to go so far undercover. Oh. And yeah. again, she's... She's almost unrecognisable in this role. And if I'm not mistaken, it is by the director of The Invitation. Oh, love that. And Jennifer's Body. (laughs) Okay, so is it a horror base to it? I'm pretty sure it's more of an action crime. This drama type thing. But it does look very interesting. And the last one, I've already heard people talk about it potentially being the worst film of the year, and that is <laughs> A Dog's Way Home. Yeah, well, people love dogs. Kids love dogs, so maybe they'll get enough out to support it. I would take it on a rainy day if I'd seen everything in the theater. You know, it has happened to me so much in the past year, even beyond that, where, you know, because I review movies and I have my movie pass and stuff... I'll drive by these marquees and I'll be like, oh, let's go see a movie. And I've seen every one of them. And so when that happened, I went and saw, I think it's called The Dog's Life or something. There was a, maybe it's the, the original to this sequel. I don't, I'm not sure, but there was another one similar to it called, called The Dog Something. And I took my girls to see it and I liked it. Was it, it a was, dog's purpose? Yeah. It was about a dog like kind of reincarnating. Through, through generations. The movie that TMZ ruined. Oh, did they? <laughs> uh, basically, someone cut together a video of what they said was cruelty to a dog oh. when they're trying to do one of the dog stunts where there's a river. I haven't seen it, but there's a river scene. Mm-hmm. And they try and put the dog in the water and it's resisting. Oh, and then the next shot shows them f- the dog in the water and they made out that they threw the dog in and they put it all over the internet and everyone boycotted the movie. Or Sony, I think, had to pull out of making it. Or Paramount, whoever it was. And ended up not getting released. The actors refused to promote it. And everything. It just was a complete mess. Yeah. It's got what, if you ever look at the IMD's worst course, it's actually on yeah, there. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Uh, but it was cute to bring my girls to it. Is it? They're well, getting people, to that age. 
people just yeah. put a zero because they thought this was real and they ready for it, tortured a dog but they didn't the dog didn't want to do it so they came back the next day and the dog jumped in quite happily <laughs> as they made out that it was it was just stupid like how the internet ruins stuff for people yeah I should uncover how cruel to people TMZ is <laughs> that should be Sometimes. my story but that's the list it's very Oscar bait related so yeah we're going to have a little bit more fun now and see what we're looking forward to in 2019 and I've got a couple of honourable mentions that I just want to throw out there not really going to say why I like them or why I don't they are going to be Men in Black International The New Mutants It Chapter 2 Zombieland 2 Ada Astra and Hellboy but I'm going to hand it over to Damien for his number five and we'll talk about all the films at the highest possible ranking for both of us okay well one of your honorable mentions is my number five and it's it chapter two and i approached the my picks more like less on what i really want to see but the fact that i think they would be hits and i think it chapter two is going to be huge Uh, they're coming back quick i thought they were going to be coming back in like five years to do it chapter two they came back what a year later It'll so, be two years when it, okay. it'll be the two year anniversary when it comes. Still, out. it's hard to produce a good sequel in two years, so um, that is impressive. And uh, in the movie, it is twenty seven years later. The Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. So I'm looking forward to that. Pretty much anybody, you know, you talk to will want to see it. It it just has this weird. It is very, I wouldn't say it's, I'll say it's gory. I won't say it's very gory, but it's gory. I mean, it's horror. And yet, um, people will go see it. And who wouldn't normally watch horror? And they just look at it more of like a popcorn movie. So I'm looking forward to hopefully taking my whole family, if I can convince them to go. I think they will. Um, but yeah, it chapter two is gonna, it's gonna be like that across the board. Horror fans are going to be bringing their families. It's it's going to do really well. I really think so. I hope it does. And Jessica Chastain is one of my absolute favorite actors, too. So looking forward to seeing her in it. Fair enough. Well, I, I'm all happy to see it. I, As I've always said, I'm. it's on my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. I would like, and I do feel they're going to probably change who is the one that is the reason for the phone call back because they changed too much between about three characters from the first one. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We've got plenty of time. Rather not see a trailer, if I'm honest, for this one. Was... Yeah, the first one had its purpose, because everybody was like, how how gory is it going to be? How violent is it going to be? So I think that that trailer was, you know, kind of like, get ready, you know. But I think we know now what they're putting out in this late franchise this later franchise so yeah hopefully they don't spoil it with a real intense trailer yes so we'll see how well that does that september see if it breaks its own record hmm. um for my number five i am going to do what you hate so much and that's return to a franchise and i am <laughs> going with hobbs and shaw the spin-off from the fast and the furious oh it is jason statham and Dwayne Johnson 
in a buddy movie and after the last movie where they were probably the best thing in the movie the comedy time in between the pair is fantastic i just i just want to see what they get up to next and fast and furious is a billion dollar franchise worldwide it may struggle in america i feel it could just about sneak something out of this one it does really well because a lot of people are into modified cars and you know i won't say there's a lot of racing where i am but the indy 500 track is not too far from here um uh that they use for uh i forget what it's called it's not 8500 something else but yeah it's it's a big commodity everybody sets up their uh you know their uh campers and stuff out these three or four huge parking lots and when you drive by on the freeway you can see there's there the races are on you know so that's really big and then you have the low rider types in la all through southern california really and so those people will go see it just to see the cars. And uh I've never been a big fan of the franchise, but I like those two actors, and I like what you're saying about how they're going to play off each other with comedy and stuff. So that might be one I actually see in a theater, because I think my kids would like it probably more than me, but I would like to see those two guys. Uh, to me, Dwayne... Did you say Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so he's one of them, and then Statham is the other one. Yeah, because they both have really come into their own in the past three or four years. Uh, and they're just huge names now. And so, and they have their own voices, kind of. I mean, Baywatch was so hilarious. I don't know if you liked Baywatch. Did you like Baywatch? Probably his worst film of recent years. Well, when he works, but as you know, I laughed real hard. He's carrying the refrigerators and stuff. Just funny stuff. So I look forward to those two. And, uh, yeah, it'll probably be one that I see. I did see the one, and, because I don't really follow the franchise, I guess it was the one where Paul Walker was eulogized there at the end, but it's where they go out of a building into another building? That was number seven. Okay, so I saw that one in the theater. That's, that's the one where Statham is kind of the baddie. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it sort of, you know, almost fell asleep. I just, it's not really my thing, but, uh, I don't, I'm not into lowriders. I have a Veloster car. It's yellow, but the only reason it's Veloster is because I just wanted a yellow car. I called around, who's got a yellow car? And there happened to be a Veloster, so I'm not really into racing or be, you know, fast things, but, um, you know, I do like those actors, so I think I'll go see it for that. Fair enough. Well, the strange thing is, the last one did less than, I believe it was less than 300 million in America, but Ooh. did over a billion worldwide, not including America's total. That's And isn't it funny because it takes place in America, so worldwide people are watching that and thinking, uh, that's what America's like. Part of America, like the final <laughs> sequence. There's Some of it's in Norway. Oh, okay. So it's all over the place, really. It's now global. But if you forget that this makes sense, it's more more entertaining. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. But anyway, what is your number four? It's another one I think you mentioned, Glass. Uh, really looking forward to Glass, and I think uh, you know it's coming up quick, so that'll be good. Uh, I just I, I want to see you know what they do with it. And I've talked a little bit about it already, so I don't need to get into it again. But uh, I'm, he's such a master craftsman, 
M. Night Shyamalan, I mean. And so I really want to see what he's put together here. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think it's going to do really well. Fair enough. Well, I won't say much more on this one. I'll go on to my number four. Okay. I'm going to pick Captive State. Okay. This is directed by Rupert Wyatt, who did The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And it is set in Chicago neighborhood nearly a decade after an occupation by an extraterrestrial force. Captive State explores the lives of both sides of the conflict, the collaborators and the, dis- the descendants. Oh. And it's got a good cast. It looks a bit like V, almost, oh. at times. But John Goodman's in it. Hmm. I don't need to say anything else. I've sold you on it. It's John Goodman's <laughs> in it. <laughs> uh, it's just one of these sci-fi ones that looks like it's going to be something really interesting to watch. I'd, well, I feel it's going to get a bit under the radar. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard of it, so now I have. Definitely check it out. Um, <clears throat> my next one is uh, Shazam. I think this looks really good. I'm sure Darren, you'll have a lot to say about this one, uh, with it being a comic book, uh, the, uh, uh what's the word? Superhero. <laughs> comic book superhero movie. And, uh, I just like it how it's, a, you know, it's basically saying, hey, we have all, we all have a superhero inside of us. It just takes a little bit of magic to bring it out and shazam, boom, then, you know, you become a, uh, superhero and I, I really like Zachary Levi speaking of people coming into themselves I mean I think it's time this is his time to really shine for him uh, he's no longer a cartoon character he's no longer the chipmunk's uncle uh, you know I think he's going to be really good in this and I noticed he's in some other things too uh, the favorite right I think I saw him in the trailer for the favorite uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him bust out I don't know if he'll be like Ryan Reynolds, but he reminds me of that. Fair enough. I personally don't want to see this movie. Really? I'm so surprised. It, I don't really like the silly. It looks too kiddie for me, this one. Like Deadpool, while being stupid, is an adult stupid. This one oh. looks like it's... I know he's meant to be playing a kid who suddenly can become a superhero, and it's like, okay... Yeah. We'll let you off, but you've got a lot of competition this year in the superhero genre. You might get away with being the light-hearted one because I'm pretty sure the rest are going to be ultra serious. But then there's a Spider-Man movie, which will be a lot more entertaining. That's my way of looking funny. at it. I don't see a rating on here. It just yeah. looks quite young, just the comedy in it from what I've it's seen. It's interesting in the you should say that because that's true. The popularity is going off the charts. People are really looking this movie up a lot on Internet Movie Database. Um, so, director David Sandberg. Yep, your favorite. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I don't know. The, the trailer had me. I thought it was funny. It looked funny. It, maybe because it wasn't so like in your face like Deadpool, but sort of a similar making fun of superheroes. You do know who this director is, right? Hold on a second. Uh, it means uh, it, it it rings a super huge bell. Okay, so he did. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this guy, my the lights out guy. 
I knew it was familiar. It's been so long since we covered horror, that's why. Um, but yeah, we covered this guy, and he's great, so good. Um, I don't know why he's doing a superhero, I guess. Getting away from horror for a little bit. Following James's legacy of... <laughs> yeah, really. I, uh, I didn't like the Lights Out movie. I liked the short. It was okay. The movie was okay, but way too complicated. It's hard to make a short into a movie, but that's a whole different topic. Yeah, when I saw David Sandberg, I was like, oh, I know that guy, but, um, what else did he do? He did something else I'm missing. Did he, he did, do Annabelle? He did the creation Annabelle. Second yes, one. Which the good, did not the good one. Yeah, <laughs> it was alright. Compared to the first one. But, um, well, so anyway, num- yeah, go ahead. I was going to go for my number three. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yes. Yes. Uh, I saw the Super Bowl trailer, and I was like, oh my god, I need to see this movie. I don't care what happens next. I just don't need to see anything else. I don't want to see anything else. It looks like the most amazing visual thing I've ever seen. And I, wow. I just want to stop and watch it straight away. I, it was one of them that I knew was coming out and was just like, oh, there's a Godzilla movie. But that trailer and this director. I haven't seen the trailer. So, but I was just like you when I saw, was going through the titles that are coming out in 2019. I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do Godzilla again. I used to have a hope that it would be great, but they never really blow me away. They're pretty good. You know, all of them that have come out, they're, they're pretty enjoyable. But uh yeah, I'm with you. If it's if it the trailer's like you're saying, then I'm I'm in too. Well, I would say just check out the beginning. I know there was a few gifts going around of a certain fight between some of the different monsters. And you just sat there going, just this is just why you watch cinema. I can watch <laughs> dramas all you want. But when you go to the cinema to see something on a big screen, this is the type of movie you need to see on a big screen. And just to put it out there that the director gave us Trickle Tree and Krampus, and that's all he's done directing-wise, and he's doing this. Just <laughs> makes me go, this is why people work hard. Okay, I'm I'm so in. It reminds me of something I saw, a viral video the other day. I'll try and put it on the in the podcast uh, notes. But it was uh, a bunch of Santa Clauses just sitting... You know, I don't know why they were all sitting there. There was like 30 of them. They're all Santa Clauses smoking and stuff, like taking a break or something. And then one of them just starts beating the shit out of another one. And it turns into this full-on brawl of Santa Clauses. I thought, this is why I have internet right here. So, I don't know. When you were talking about like him beating up Mothra or something, I, I haven't seen it, but maybe it'll have the same effect on me. <laughs> Yeah. So, so okay, well, what do I got here? Okay, so I'm gonna jump to uh, Hellboy. Uh, it seems like you named a lot of the ones that I had in my five, but I'm such a big fan of the first Hellboy. The second one is pretty amazing too, but I'm not as big a fan of that one. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this. It's based on the graphic novels. It doesn't say based on the original movie. It says based on the graphic novels. So we might get a different look at it. The cover art definitely looks different. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think of this one? So I'm a huge fan of both of the Hellboys. I actually like 
the second one because it brings more of Del Toro into it and mm-hmm. anything Del Toro yeah, does I love I love that fantasy world he created. Mm-hmm. But this is Neil Marshall directing. This is David Harbour as Hellboy. I was I mean yeah. <laughs> It's also got like Ian McShane, uh Mila Jovovich. I've just sort of sold on it. It also has a good PR incident that had there was an incident where they were gonna cast Ed the baddie from the first Deadpool was cast as an Asian character, but he stepped down set once he learned it was meant to be an Asian character. And it was one of the few times where Hollywood made a bit of sense and hired an Asian actor. So it's got a good PR on its side. Yeah. My only worry is it's a feels too soon after Ron Perlman's Hellboy. Oh, I see. I, I, I like Ron Perlman was great, but then David Harbour's been brilliant in Stranger Things. Yeah. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt. That's why it's only an honourable mention. It's one that I actually thought it was due out in January at a time it got delayed to April, so take what you want from that. He did that Dog Soldiers, which was really good. Yeah, he's done the best episodes of Game of Thrones as well. Oh. The bloodiest war, all the battle ones he's generally done. Oh, that's great. I didn't even know you followed that. So he's kind of the guy you go to. Very underrated director. And I think this could be a lot bloodier than we're used to seeing. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's see. So it was your turn then, yeah. My number two is something, another sequel, because, yep, I have to put it on there. John Wick, Chapter 3. I Mm. can't not put this movie on there. The (laughs) first two John Wick movies have been the best pure action movies, I I would say, made this century. (laughs) Just for, like, what they are. Like, they know exactly what they are. They've managed to build a world that makes you want to go and see what the next chapter is. And the whole thing started when someone killed his dog. Like, that's the core of this movie. It's like, and you've unleashed the biggest killing machine ever. And it is one... However much nonsense people give Keanu Reeves, he has an ability to play certain roles better than anyone could ever do. And this is one of those roles that you could never see anyone else do without his ability just to blend into this role. I just want to see this. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to see this movie because when 2 came out... Well, first of all, I did try to make it through 1. This is years ago. And just for some reason, it's like the planets aren't in alignment. It's just not enough that I'm relating with, whatever. But I just didn't finish it. And then... uh, But I, I had this feeling like I should, you know? Because I'm a big fan of his stuff. The Matrix, everything he's done. I mean, Bill and Ted, all that stuff. And so, um, you know, then later on when 2 came out, it was all the buzz all over the internet. Boom, boom, you gotta see this movie. This is the best movie. John Wick is a great movie, but this is like, takes it to a new level. So same thing, I tried to watch it, I just couldn't finish it. It was neat, it was very visual. I liked the visuals of it. Uh, so I didn't finish it. So I think, but I feel guilty about that, because like, as somebody who's supposed to have an open mind and watch movies that are huge, I, I feel like I should see it. So I think I need to see the third one. Now, will I miss anything? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Maybe I better go back. Do I need to see the first one? Uh, no. I know the basic story, yeah. Uh, 
there's a tiny connection between two and um, one and two, but it's not that big a thing. It's more just because he came out of retirement in one, someone wants him to do another job in two. Okay, but yeah, the I whole, that. The universe, like the whole idea of the hotel where you all the hitmen live, mm-hmm. but they can't kill each other or have a weapon. <laughs> it's really clever. Yeah. So, so just go back and see two and then see three. I personally would just watch all three in one go. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe I'll try it now. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'd be good because they've gotten so much backing. Now it's not even a question. It can be really fun when you get to this point with a, with a sequel because, uh, you know, they can really suck. But when they're really, the movie's really doing good and surprises everybody, then it's like they can take the kid gloves off and just really, you know, go for it. And I feel like that's what they're going to do with 3, just based on the buzz that I know about. Yes. So, your number one. Zombieland 2. And uh, I hear that they're bringing Bill Murray back. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't think he'll be doing that. But uh loved Zombieland. One of my favorite movies. Uh, probably in my top ten uh, of all time. And so, of course, I want to see Zombieland 2. How about you? Uh, I have it on my list. I'm just not 100% sure whether it will make it out next year. That's why it's sort of only sort of an honorable mention for me. There's been like no pictures, no trailers, nothing. I know it's not coming out till October. Hmm. I just want to say, I would love to see their next chapter. Gosh, Woody Harrelson, why wouldn't you want to see his next chapter? Oh my gosh. And he came into his own like in the 90s, but he's become even more huge now. And so it would be neat to just see what he can pull together for a two. Yes. So this is where it's going to give you all fun. Let's see if Damien can guess what my number one film will be. Most anticipated? Yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is too long. Can't go through the whole year. So let me just try and guess. I'm going to say um, Glass. No. Oh. Um, I thought you would have gone for one of the big ones because my number one is not the most original title we're going to see. <laughs> and it is what? not Star Wars Episode Nine. However oh, much thank that you. is something I want to see. It has <laughs> got to be Avengers Endgame. Oh. I can't not put this at number one solely because of how good Infinity War finished. I love a superhero film where the villain wins. That's why Empire Strikes Back is considered the best Star Wars movie, because Vader won. And Thanos won. I want to see what happens next. When is that that coming out? What month? Early April. End of April, even. Okay. The problem with this year is there's so many good films coming out. Even the ones I didn't mention, if I'm just going to go through the list, I know I'm not that desperate to see Captain Marvel, but it's going to be a watched. We have Disney Fun-Filled Factory bringing out Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King next year. Mm. And Toy Story 4. And Frozen 3 or 2. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) We've also got Detective Pikachu, which for some reason looks really good. 
<laughs> I never thought. Gee, let me guess. Who's playing the, ro- the lead role? Your favorite actor. <laughs> He's only playing Pikachu, okay? Leave <laughs> Ryan Reynolds alone. It looks like Deadpool <laughs> meets Pokemon. Like... <laughs> There's, I don't think he's going to be hacking anybody's limbs after you. The spine of electricity. But we also have like New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. As I said, I've mentioned Men in Black. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson as a double act. Yes, I want to see it. Yeah. And that doesn't even get to like the Joker coming out next year. And a, right. apparently a reboot of Terminator again. And the sequel to Jumanji is due out at the very end of the year. So it looks like such a good year for film, for blockbusters at least. I know we'll get all the more technically popular movies later in the year. Mm. It's just a very interesting year. Yeah. So that's picked what we've been looking forward to. So now let's see what we've been enjoying watching, or maybe watching. Um, I'll go first on this one then. Yeah. I, I've watched James Wan's Aquaman. And oh. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I'm so glad. Uh, I can see why people are moaning about certain things. But I, you don't go into this movie expecting it to win any awards. It's an, an origin movie. It has weird, it's weird because a lot of it takes place on land. But it's sort of like a treasure hunt in a superhero movie. Uh, hmm. Jason Momoa is good and knows exactly the role he's playing. He's just not Chris Hemsworth. I, that's the way I looked at it. They went for big muscle man who can do one-liners and he doesn't quite have the charm to pull them off that Hemsworth has. But then Amber Heard is not very good in her role. Um, you have the usual suspects that are fantastic in Kidman, Defoe, Lundgren and Patrick Wilson. You know what you're going to get off them. Yeah, and even though it is nearly two and a half hours long, it's still just what you want to go see a bit of a blast. It's probably for me, it's the best since Wonder Woman for DC. Huh. So, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, I think it came out recently, a couple of days ago or something. But uh, I probably will go see it. Um, or not, I don't know. It's hard to say. My wife is really a fan of Jason Momoa. She thinks he's really hot, you know? So maybe I can convince her to, to go, but it's weird. It's like a lot of times they go, I want to go to a movie by myself. <laughs> so I, I look for the movies that people can go with me. Or I watch them at home. So that one might be one at home, I'm not sure. But two and a half hours, I don't know. It it doesn't get old. It didn't feel like time was really being held up. There was enough going on to keep you for me anyway. Yeah. How was the director? What do you think about his choices? The world created is brilliant looking, especially the underwater sequences. And he does something very unique, I felt, with the action scenes. So uh, this is technically a spoiler because it's like the opening sequence, but. There's a fight in a house, and he almost just... He takes the camera to the ceiling and just shoots mm. it from above by some of it. There are a few, like, close-up shots, but he shoots, like, a big action scene from the ceiling. Uh, I haven't seen that very often recently. Mm. I quite like that. And there's a... For me, there was a scene in 
Sicily, they do a big fight scene later in the movie. And it's like two separate things going on. And you're watching both fights and they're both really, it's shot so well, like continual feel to the shooting of it. Because it's yeah. going over distance as well. Which I can't really say too much about what's happening. Yeah. But as you don't go in there looking for like the Dark Knight Rise or Dark Knight style quality. Just want a bit cheesy fun, you'll enjoy it. I like where he picks up the submarine in the trailer. That looks really funny. That, that's the opening sequence of him. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So I know more about that one. Um, go ahead. What are you saying? I'll, I'll let you pick the next one that you've seen. Yeah. Uh, I, I went to the movies the other night and saw a movie. <laughs> and it had a beginning and it had an end. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It's called The Possession of Hannah Grace. And you know what? This film... It reminds me of Mad Libs. Like, I don't know if you guys have Mad Libs over there, but Mad Libs are like, you know, it'll say, put an adjective here, it'll cross out a word. You're supposed to pick a different word. So the possession of Hannah Grace, let's just cross out possession, let's cross out Hannah Grace, and let's fill them in with, uh, you know, something that happens to people and someone's name. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. <laughs> there we go. I liked it better when it was the autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, it's just not made well. It's just not made well at all. And uh, my daughter was scared. She wanted to go to a scary movie, so we went to it. And But I just, in my opinion, the autopsy of Jane Doe was so scary because I don't want to give spoilers on that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, go see it. It's a great movie, uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe. But there's things you don't know in that movie starting out. This one, you know everything. They tell you everything that's going on. And so it's really stretching your uh, ability to be fooled, your uh, susceptibility, um, suspension of disbelief. Uh, It's really asking a lot of the audience because, uh, you know, things don't really get possessed when they're dead, number one. Um... And I did, I've never heard of, of a demon possessing a dead person. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not saying she's dead. I'm just saying there's a lot of conflicting things. And they didn't take any trouble to like explain anything or say, look, here's why this is this way. And they didn't do anything like that. So it's not very well written. The very last five minutes is really cool. I like that. But the whole rest of the movie, toughest horror movie I've had to sit through in a long time. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I saw it didn't do very well in the box office. It, I'm pretty sure it didn't even make the top five in America on a pretty dead weekend for releases. Yeah. So. I will say this, because some horror movies are just absolutely bad. This one, if you just have nothing else to watch and, and it's you know, available, it's a, you know it's kind of scary, sort of. But if you want to really think about similar things, go see The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Way better. We actually did a show on that, so you can look look on our website and listen to it. We love that show. Didn't we, Darren? <laughs> yes. That ended up being my number two for the year, I think it was, of horror. Yes, yes. It is just well done. We're spoiled, I guess. Yes. Well, my next movie is another blockbuster, and another one we didn't expect too much from, and that is Bumblebee. Bumblebee is just fun as well like 
Haley Steinfeld just makes this movie brilliant to watch. She makes friends with Bumblebee, who's on a little mission, and she has her own problems, and they help each other with their problems to get to the next stage of their lives. And it keeps everything very simple. It's only like three Transformers in the main part of the movie, which is all we need. Hmm. Instead of having 17,000 robots rolled into one messy crap fest that Michael Bay gives us, this is just three robots. One's yellow, one's blue, I think, and one's red. Hmm. So you can tell them apart when they're fighting as well. And it's also set in the 80s, so everything is very 80s felt throughout this movie. Hmm. And they, they throw the Breakfast Club down your face in every possible shot of the movie. <laughs> Especially when Bumblebee starts watching the Breakfast Club. <laughs> but, <laughs> that movie has gotten a lot of attention in recent movies. But it's, it's definitely the best Transformers movie out there. Hmm. And I think a lot of people. I was shocked. It had like it's come out for the weekend only, about two weeks early. A bit like what Jumanji did a few last year. But there was only about ten people in it on a rainy day in the cinema midday. It wasn't even like midnight. It was like midday. I just couldn't believe how empty the cinema was. So they're trashing it on the internet. Um, somebody who is a verified. Twitter user, I'm assuming an actor, I don't know them, but apparently they know Hayley Steinfeld, and they had said, like, she will never recover from doing this horrible acting role. Something like that. I think that's one person's trash shit. Most people were saying they finally did it. I've seen more people say they finally did it than she'll never recover. And let's just put it out there. Mark Wahlberg still makes movies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. She's very young, so Yes. But exactly. I did think the same thing. That's probably why it you know, stuck out to me when I was reading Twitter. Because I when I first saw the trailer for that I thought, why would she do this? Why would she go from uh what was the name of that movie she did in the high school movie? You like your uh, seventeen, 17. and something. Yeah, Bridge of Seventeen. Why would she go for something that deep and well done to to this, you know, but this is definitely the deepest Transformers movie there is. There's a lot really? of real, real <laughs> yes. life problems that she's character has to go through. Well, that's an interesting thing to know. I, you know, doesn't look well, like it in the trailer, but well, in the film, her dad has died of a heart attack, and she has never recovered, even though her mum has remarried. She's just isolated herself from the world and wants to fix the car they were trying to build together, but the family doesn't have enough money to do everything, and she just can't wait to get out of the town. So she's did he, pretty much did her it. father before he died? Did, did he leave her a cassette player with headphones that had eighties hits on it? No. Oh, okay, good. But okay. there are some cassette tapes there. <laughs> I'm sure there are. That was it. The eighties, man. <laughs> CDs weren't even around. I think too many critics are going to be a bit too stuck up about this movie. To they not. already are. Have some few things that I've read, but I didn't really uh, seek out reviews. So I don't know. Well, the last time I saw this, it was on like ninety on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so that's good. I've seen more people be positive about it and just be like, "I enjoyed it." And I didn't go around saying it's the best movie ever made. There's, I had fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's and not if, The Godfather, but it's pretty good. Oh, the Godfather's not that good, but 
<laughs> what? <laughs> well, for public opinion, you have, they have to beg to differ with you, Darren. It's well, like been the number one popularity film on IMDb for like, what, 15 years? Now that's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, right. It's up there too, though. But you're right. Yeah, that's that's the other one I should have mentioned. Uh, yeah, so it's got a 7.2 on... on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, Bumblebee is sat at 98%. Okay. All right. 42 oh reviews. 40 Not only that, friends. Metascore is 71 with 47 professional reviewers in the mix. And then for an IMDb user rating, I'm surprised. Did it just come out here? It must have just come out. It officially, oh, it comes out Thursday. Officially, it comes out Boxing Day. That's, and in England, it was going to be Christmas Eve. We got it for a weekend only. I'm not I sure see. why. But 42 reviews it's got on Rotten Tomatoes, and only one is rotten. This is cool when this happens, because you've convinced me to watch something now. Um, you yeah, found got a one person that hated it, didn't you? <laughs> well, I mean, it was such a hateful thing tweet plus i thought it was not going to be good uh but yeah the metascore 71 and it is hard for a movie like this to score that high on metascore by a movie like this i mean action kid you know teen robot type thing sci-fi usually metascore really favors the dramas the foreign dramas so not really the comedies either but mostly the dramas and uh so this is not a drama. It's an action-adventure sci-fi. And it has 1,349 user ratings, which is extremely low, but it makes sense because it hasn't come out yet. So, um, yeah, But it has a 7.2 out of 10, which is a really high score on user score. So you have actually convinced me, Darren. You and all this other stuff. <laughs> Well, let's see what else you've seen. Yeah. Before we get to my controversial rant. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Love that controversy stuff. Let's see, where was I in my watch list? Here it is. Um, Yeah, so... We thought, you know, I mentioned, I think... I I have seen Ralph Breaks the Internet. Did I talk about that? I don't know. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. It's... You know, it's not as good as the first one, but it's good, and it's very visually cool. They have a strange relationship, him and the glitch, Annavelle, or Vanellope, Vanellope, there you go. They have a weird kind of relationship. We can't tell if it's brotherly, or romantic, or it's it's kind of weird. It's cute, but it's, they should have figured out what they were going to do there better. Um, The Grinch, I saw, the new Grinch is the old Grinch. The old Grinch is the new Grinch. That's all I'll say about that. Lucy Lou has blonde hair, which is different. I mean, she's like hair all over the place, not all tied up in a bun. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. Cumberbatch is interesting, but he's very downplayed in his voice. So I don't even know why they bothered getting him, because it, it could be anybody talking. There's a few times where he really talks, and you go, oh, yeah, that's that's Cumberbatch. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, it's like they say. It's about a. I'd say it's probably maybe a five out of ten, maybe a six. So anyway, did you want me to keep going or? Yeah, let's get your last couple, and then we'll get into the. Okay, sounds good. Um, the house with a cl- with a clock in its walls. 
uh, very Goosebumps reminiscent. It could be a Goosebumps. I never heard Kate Blanchett so monotone. She don't go to see it for her because it's probably one of her worst roles. Uh, Jack Black, he's Jack Black. He's always fairly good. Sometimes he's great. He's not great in this. Um, and the kid that that plays the kid. I don't know how many people they auditioned, but whoa. I, why they picked him, I do not know. So it's kind of these three bumbling people talking about a clock in the wall, trying to get to it. There's some really cool... The clock is supposed to mean the end of the world. So they're trying to get to it, and the kid goes back to school and gets bullied, and then goes back to the house and is friends with Jack Black and learns magic. And it's just... It's very goosebumps. It's very predictable and uh, long. So I would not recommend the house with a clock in its walls. Uh, blind spotting, I would recommend, and I'm not gonna get into it like I just did with the other movie. I'm just gonna say, go see blind spotting. What an amazing film this is. I've seen like four or five films in the past year or two that had to do with officer shootings and racial issues, and hardly any of them got it right. I think Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing is probably the, one of the best ways to deal with the situation and to learn about why it happens and and how to get out of this mess we're in with race. But blind spotting beats that out. Blind spotting is about friendship. It's about doing the right thing. It's about making something out of your life. And there is that racial element as well, of course. But I mean, the film itself is, it doesn't matter what color you are. Um, you're going to get something out of this film really good. In fact, I just saw it last night, so it's still on my mind. <laughs> what was it? I, I still love The Hate You Give. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that one, but it it's along those lines. Similar film. Fair enough. What did you like about it? I love the fact that they had a speech where they showed that both it didn't matter what color the cop was, they would still have done the same thing. Yeah, but I don't think that the the people bought it. You know, I don't think they really really believed that they said it, but I don't think it was more of an understanding. It but it does. this one, yeah, this one you have more of like a grieving thing going on on both sides of like why is it like this? Why is our world like this? And in the hate you give, I just sort of felt like the white people were kind of viewed as the rich villains. I think from the adult perspective they were but from the children's perspective they sort of tried to look past it and see what the problem actually was and seeing how it was because nobody could step up and solve get rid of the criminals in the first place they all Mm -hmm. became the image of criminals which is what I think that film was trying to say in all fairness the cop I don't think did anything wrong in that movie the guy yeah. was being argumentative and reached into his car. Well, if he brings out a gun and shoots him, he dies. Like exactly. he doesn't. If he had just said, "Sorry, what have I done?" Like you, norm, a normal person would do. You don't have to get argumentative if you get pulled over, and that's what the problem is. Everything is. Nobody wants to respect each other. Yeah, and, you do have Carmen who plays the cop, and and he he says that he says, "Look, that's what we do." When people, um, you know, reach for guns, we try to protect ourselves. That's that's what we do. And he was a black man saying that. 
So I'm with you on that, but as a whole, I just, I was confused, uh, as to what they were trying to say, what was appropriate, um, I, you know, should we, uh, burn down the city hall? I just didn't get a good feeling from it. Now, I'm in the minority on this one. Sometimes I am. And, and I've talked to people that I really respect, like, you know, I read Audrey's, uh, opinion of it, and she, she loved it, thought it was awesome. And I've read other people that loved it. In fact, most people are loving this film. But for me, it left me a little bit wondering if it was igniting passion to hate white people or if it was sort of creating a bridge. And I felt it was more igniting. But that's just me. So I think the message the girl was sending was we we hide too much by protecting our own, no matter whether they're for or against the law. Mm-hmm. And the ones, the criminals were running the neighborhood and yeah. they were causing the problems. So that's their actions have put the cops on edge. Yeah. If you didn't have the criminals on the street, they wouldn't all be viewed as criminals. And that's what I thought the message of the movie was. Yeah. Well, and I, you're right. Um, blind, blind spotting, uh, is more about a friendship. It's a comedy. So it's not just, you know, like as serious as that other one, but it covers some of the same issues. And, uh, so I recommend it cause it's, it's comedic. Uh, you've got this guy, I'll just say one thing. He, you know, he's on parole and every day he wakes up and he's like taking a jog and it'll say like three days away from parole ending. And there's all these things happening to him. He has to stay out of trouble. You know, I found that really funny and really cool. And then he also has a friend who keeps accidentally almost getting him in trouble uh and he has a job and it's just he uh you know moves uh furniture for his job and that's funny too it's just and the ending is very powerful it's not just a comedy it's also a drama so check that one out darren we'll have to talk about it later after you see it. it it's really uh i think they do it better than the hate you give well let's see if i could get into moan stage I watched Roma. Yes. (laughs) What is it? Oh, Roma. Right, right, right. I will stand by and say, visually it's fantastic. It's acted fantastic. There's a meaningful storyline of one year in the life of a maid in Mexico. Yes, great. Fantastic. It's just not a film I can see the casual fans going, I like that. It's... I've seen people just worship this movie and from a technical aspect of everything involved it's good it's fantastic even but for the for a film experience it's, <coughs> you feel a bit flat by the end of it it's like uh, so so why are you saying it's the best thing ever made this year it's sort of like I, I'm not saying it's bad or terrible I'm just saying it's like is it really the best thing is it a masterpiece like people are calling it I just don't get this talk about this movie could it be that your your culture there in London is so different or Bournemouth but I assume it's similar to the culture of London uh, is so different from that of Mexico City that there aren't as many things for you to grab onto and really understand I don't think much of it is to do with the culture of Mexico City, though. It's to do with just the maid family relationship and something else that happens to the maid. 
in mm. this year and it's sort of yes it's a hard story to see but I just and it's got everything needed to make it a great story but I just don't I couldn't I don't think I'd ever be able to rewatch it because I just didn't need to be invested that much I see well the director is Alfonso Cuarón he did Gravity or he wrote Gravity he directed it as well oh okay he uh the Children of Men which I never saw I'm putting putting that on my watch list because I've been seeing that for a while Children of Men we did a show on that we love that um and then Roma some other things as well uh yeah so he's kind of new he hasn't done tons of stuff oh wait that's his writer let me look at his director stuff he did a Harry Potter movie oh he did so he's he's a big director it's just I just don't get the complete buzz that this is like the best thing ever made discussion that's really I if it got nominated for best picture I'd be slightly disappointed did you say this one was on Netflix it is in England yes I'm gonna check it out right after I'm done here because I've been wanting to see Roma I didn't even know it was on Netflix it's so new, you know. I I guess if it comes out first on Netflix, it doesn't matter how new it is. But if I see trailers for movies, this is one thing that's weird about Netflix movies. Is good. I go, oh, well, that's coming out in 2018. There's no way that's going to be on Netflix. I don't bother searching it. But if it is a Netflix movie, <laughs> there it is. He did Children of Men. Oh, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt there. They're very different movies. <laughs> okay. Well, I will check that out. Um, was that your your gripe? It is. It's just I get a bit tired of. I I know have one like made Moonlight to be the best thing ever, and I didn't get Moonlight to be the best thing ever. I did the same last year with three billboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I sometimes I just I think I miss certain aspects of why things are fantastic, but this is definitely not something I can sit and watch over and over again. Yeah. Or even probably ever again because nothing really happens. Yeah, I guess the question is, what is the what is the main message that he's trying to tell people? You know, and you don't have to say it, but I mean, that's what I'll be looking for because eleven thousand three hundred nineteen votes. You can't just call up your friends and produce eleven thousand people. And they put gave it an 8.5 uh, for the Internet Movie Database user score. Those are real people that are are saying... Uh, I gave it an 8. Yes. That's huge. I can't believe you're talking it down. An 8 is huge. I would never give a movie an 8 unless it was really touched me, really worked for me, you know? I gave it because of all the technical stuff. It, it, it shot and directed and acted so well it felt like a documentary. Because it's an unknown cast, pretty much. That's why yeah. it gets like all of the technical brilliance. So, I think it's just the story is not. It felt like a documentary story. If you, yeah, I can't get into too many details about spoiling it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we said it's basically a story that chronicles a year in the life of a high-class family's maid in Mexico City in the early seventies. 
So that's what they say about it on MVB and um it's not the most exciting description. <laughs> Dying is a description like that, but the, just who he is and the fact that so many people are saying it's so amazing. I have to wonder though if it's appealing to maybe to a cultural thing. It will make all the uh, critic people that say that one critic that hated Bumblebee will probably say it's the best <laughs> thing ever made, and that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's put, it really does bring the argument about what do we want from movies because it's the casual fan is not going to enjoy Roma gotcha simple as that I can't see any of my workmates going I'm going to watch a Mexican movie for two hours about a maid and the family she works for right (laughs) I just can't see anyone I physically know would sit down and watch that quite happily and go yeah it was good they're going to sit and watch some popcorn nonsense. Well, you know, there's another movie that came out this month, The House That Jack Built. Yes, there was a movie called that that came out this month. <laughs> Did you see it? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Why didn't we talk about it? Because it's crap. <laughs> are you serious? People are like, want to give blood for it. Of course, Zoe. Wants to give blood for it, but that's yeah. Pretty sure it. she's seen it. <laughs> no, I just was saying she's written about it. She says I keep. In fact, I read her review. It's very well written review. Um, but she she seemed to to just really like the feeling of it. Um, why didn't you like it? It's not coming out here. It's not gonna come out here. I'll tell you right now. It's playing in one theater in Hollywood, the Lamel Theater, it, with a radius of about two hundred miles. It's not playing anywhere else. Well, and I don't think it's going to. Put it this way, it was classed as controversial, bloody, and all this nonsense. And mm-hmm. I think I saw one stab at mm. the controversial moment. Is it that controversial? <laughs> I've seen a yeah. lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I have seen so many, I, because I'm so deprived, because, you know, I'm a Lars von Trier I'm not going to say I'm a fan, but I'm very interested in him just as a filmmaker. And so I've been, I can't see the movie, so I've been watching a bunch of stuff on YouTube, interviews with Matt Dillon and, and him and, and different people that are in the movie. And um, I feel like I've seen it. <laughs> I feel like I know every, I think I know what you're talking about as the controversial well, moment. I think um, one of them was something to do with children. Yeah. And it's... I don't know if it's just been edited a bit better to cut out any violence of them. It's just you know what's been, you know what's happened, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But you don't see it happen. Mm. It's a bit weird, but I, I the thing is, did you feel like it had a bigger message beyond well, the? It just starts talking nonsense for most of it mm. about philosophy and art. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I think his Matt Dillon isn't that good an actor to carry a two and a half hour long movie of him acting and narrating it. I didn't feel him as that much of a psychopath. He was a bit of a ah. Uh, so you watch American Psycho and you see Christian Bell do his thing. Imagine Christian Bell just a failed architect. Yeah. And that's or the Patrick Bateman being a failed architect. That's what he's like. He he thinks he's the special thing. But it just, none of the kills were that gory. The end was, what the hell just happened? I don't know. 
I'd mm. given up after two hours because it says it's a horror comedy on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't funny. It wasn't scary. One, one guy said, and uh, this will be, be a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it, then don't uh, and pause it or fast forward it. But I'm just going to say one spoiler that I heard. It was on YouTube on an interview, so I don't know if it's really even a spoiler. But <clears throat> someone had said, it wasn't Matt Dillon, it was somebody else. Uh, that was in the movie set, thought it was so funny how he killed someone, and then as he was driving away and he could see the cop cars in his rearview mirror, he was so OCD that he imagined there was a little bit of blood that he didn't wipe up. So he actually... Do you remember that part? That went on for a long time, oh. that scene. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's what they mean by humor, that kind of stuff. But that's so the thing. Actually, yeah. That worked... That made a bit of sense. It started to make it a bit more interesting, and then suddenly, every the thing is, it, it's telling about five incidents of his killing spree, yeah. and this is that's the second incident. And in the first incident, he doesn't do any of the OCD stuff. Were you ever repulsed? No, it was boring. I, I thought Hannibal, the TV show, was a lot harder to watch, hmm. and that was glorified gore rather than gory gory. There's no gore in this movie from what I saw there's a few head banging shots and a stab wound and that's mm. about it just, so he's trying to maybe uh, hype it up by saying it's so bad and then it backfired on him because he showed the uncensored version I guess uh, for one night only and that wasn't in LA and all around up here I didn't get a chance to go to it but um how the long is the uncensored version? I don't know, but uh, he got they, the movie. Who did it? I think IFC. IFC made it, yeah. So IFC got uh, sanctioned by the Motion Picture Association of America because they didn't get a waiver to show that film in theaters. So I think that's why it's not playing here anywhere in California. Um, except that one, Lamels, it's called it in... Uh, I gave it a 3.2 out of 10. Oh, wow. Do you like any of his other films, like Melancholia or uh, Antichrist? Melancholia I liked. Mm -hmm. Nymphomaniacs was boring. Yeah. Antichrist I switched off. People told me that this this Jack Built, the house of Jack Built, is similar to Nymphomaniac as far as the way it's laid out. It is, and that's the problem. Nymphomaniacs was so full of itself thinking it was the best thing ever made when it was probably one of the most boring movies ever made I'm it, surprised for some reason I thought you might like it because uh, you know we talk about horror so much I probably won't like it either but if I ever get a chance to see it I think it would have been better if it wasn't two and a half hours long Yeah, it doesn't need to be doing two and a half hours like most of the kills are irrelevant I felt like the opening 20 minutes, I think, or 10, 15 minutes is Uma Thurman's mm -hmm. Lady One. Mm -hmm. So you think, oh, it's Uma Thurman, we'll keep her around a bit. No. Then the next one, it doesn't tell you the time jump. It's just incident mm -hmm. two, incident three. And it's just so mm -hmm. much nonsense. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've just been almost obsessed with watching interviews and stuff. And it's just, it's like they're all censoring him. They're all saying, oh, you know, you're, 
you're a Nazi and you're because he said stupid things in the past, making jokes about uh, how he is Nazi in terms of German. He's just saying he's German, but does it on purpose to inflame people at cans and stuff and or cons, whatever they call it. And so I'm thinking now that I'm hearing this from you and other people have said it's mundane, but everybody is saying that it's really hostile and really, uh, you know, violent. I read just this morning a few articles about they were saying it's just you don't need to see it. You don't need that stuff in your head. Well, I've seen a lot worse. <laughs> if that is what they call violence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are so many films I could name that are more violent. And some of them are... Compared Overlord is a bloody, bloody movie. Yeah. And it's like a PG compared to Overlord. Oh, jeez. For me, I... Maybe it's just the thought of it. You know, the fact that he's just going around killing... Who knows? I don't it's know. Not, it's not even says. close to hostile levels of gore. Wow. Wow. So... All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> if I had a little sub- touching on that, if I hadn't submitted my worst list of 2018, it would be on that list in the top five. <laughs> yeah. So, sadly, it hasn't made that list. Hmm. But is there anything else you've seen that you want to talk about? No, I covered them all. Okay, that was a lot for me. So that's going to round up the January episode. Let us know what you thought of these films and what films you're looking forward to seeing in February. Yes. And if you want to see or talk to Damien more, you can find him on RileyOnFilm.com or the Damien Riley podcast. That's right. And you can find me at Movie Reviews 101 and Twitter probably talking nonsense about movies too often. Until next time, I'll say goodbye from me. And goodbye from Damien. Goodbye. And thank you for listening.